What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft 412's podcast. My name is Joe 412, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes. I want to thank my editor-in-chief, JT, John Toth, for always being uh, here by my side. And tonight we're going to talk about the top 10 wide receivers coming out in the 2024 draft. JT, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. And this is this is going to be an exciting night because these are the this is the talent of the draft. I mean, this is the guys that are going to – this is the way the NFL is nowadays. If you have a quarterback already, you want one of these guys. So. Let's, let's get well, you know, going. it's funny because most of our list this year, you can debate, is Drake May better than Caleb Williams or is Caleb Williams better than Drake May? If you want to talk about running backs, is it Blake Corum? Is it Brooks? Is it somebody else? Here, I think the on everybody's draft board, the number one guy off that board is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. from OSU. What are your thoughts on Marvin Harrison Jr.? And, and do you think he goes top five, top one? Being honest. I mean, Marvin Harrison is the best pro. He's the best prospect in this draft, hands down. Like he should go. If you were just going by pure talent and what they bring to the game, he goes number one. Um, I understand the quarterbacks are an important thing in the NFL right now. Um, three months ago, I'd have told you, all right, Caleb Williams, I get it. You know, he's doing well with USC, but he's had he's had some struggles against good defenses, and this made me believe. And me and you talked about this off the air, uh, Joe, that Chicago could have the top two picks or, or two of the top three picks. And they have Justin Fields, who, in, in, all, in all honesty, is there really anything different between Justin Fields and Caleb Williams right now? We don't know that because Caleb Williams hasn't played in the NFL yet. And we talked about there'd be no problem them taking Marvin Harrison and uh, Olu Fashanu, the first two picks, and give them to uh, – Justin Fields as a as a as toys and that's an amazing upgrade to their offense. So Marvin Harrison is generational. I mean, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase weren't this big coming out of college. They were guys that have exceeded what we thought they would be coming out. Marvin Harrison is, and and I hate to say this, but he's the I think the last receiver that's come out that has this much. Where we said he's a Hall of Famer and he's become a Hall of Famer. It's Larry Fitzgerald. When Fitzgerald came out and got drafted by the Cardinals, I think this is the same deal. I think this guy comes out, he just puts up consistent numbers year in and year out. He might have a couple years where did he do anything? You look at 80 catches for 1,300 yards like Fitzgerald did. Fitzgerald never really had them Justin Jefferson type years, but Marvin Harrison's generational man, 6'2. I'm, I'm sorry, 6'4", um, big guy. Uh, he's got his dad's genes, of course. So, I mean, Marvin Harrison was amazing as a receiver. This guy's got great hands, great route running. 
anybody that gets him has got an instant number one receiver and a guy that's going to put up over a thousand yards instantly in the NFL. So he's he's to me he's the best prospect in this draft, hands down. Yeah, I can't disagree. I mean, I think you made a great analogy to Larry Fitzgerald. I think he's the closest thing to that. He might have a little bit more speed than Fitz had, you know, coming out of pit, you know, a decade or so ago. Um, but he's got that pedigree, right? He's got soft hands, big bodied, can go up. Combat catching is great. Route running is great. Um, and, you know, what's scary is, you know, he's got a Hall of Fame dad, right? And so you've got the you've got the genes and the pedigree, like you mentioned earlier, that goes along with that. And I think that, you know, there are some guys here in the draft that might have been number one overall uh, that, you know, or excuse me, not number one overall wide receiver oh, definitely. Uh, choice, uh, like a Malik Neighbors or a Roma Dunze, who we'll talk about in a second. But Harrison by far might be the best player in this draft. So, you know, I don't think that um, anybody that gets, I mean, and, and if he goes first overall, and I think Fitzgerald went third overall. Uh, you know, so like, you know, having a guy like him lock down your number one receiver spot for the next 10 or 15 years is a, you know, whether it goes to Chicago or he bounces out to Arizona, wherever he lands, he'll be an instant impact there. And I think that um, you're right. He, he will be the first receiver off the board and, and maybe and, the first player off the board. And when draft 412 says it's the best prospect, what we mean, what I mean by that is he's the safest pick in this draft. He's a guy that, you know what you're going to get. Like I said, Fitzgerald, you knew, I'm not going to say we knew he was going to be a Hall of Famer, but we knew he was going to put up consistent numbers year in and year out. And, and Harrison's that same way. Um, he's going to put up, even with a bad quarterback, this kid, this guy's going to put up numbers. This guy's just phenomenal. He's a generational guy. And if you had a number one pick and you had to take a pick that you wanted to make sure you got a good guy, this is the safest pick in the draft because you don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, Caleb Williams or Drake May. I, I mean, we 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 agree that I think he's gonna they're gonna put up decent stuff in the NFL, but there's still no guarantee. And I think Harrison's the only guarantee in this draft in the first five picks in the draft. Number two and number three on our list. Uh, I I had a hard time. They're they're almost the same. Very close. You know, one one could have been three. One could have been two. The other could yep. have been two. The other could have been three. But you know, I think we settled on Roma Dunze from Washington, and in part, uh, it's because he's been electrifying this year with Michael Penix Jr. And you know, I know that you know he draws a lot of comparisons to certain receivers in the league. I'll let you get into that in a second. But Roma Dunze comes in second on our list here. Tell us a little bit about Rome and what your thoughts are on him. Honestly, the picks two, three, four, we have um, a Dunze, a Dunze, a Neighbors, and Coleman could all go. They, in, in most years, they'd be the number one receiver off the board. Um, what makes a Dunze is so good is he just – he's a vertical threat. And he is – they have three receivers that are putting up numbers right now. They have uh, Jalen Polk and uh, Jalen McMillan all putting up numbers. And this kid's still – they still can't – you still can't cover this guy. I mean, he's he's vertical threat. 50-50 uh, balls are unbelievable. He has strong hands. Um He's got 66 catches for 1,206 yards, 11 touchdowns. They've used him in running situations. He's a rushing touchdown. Every time I get to get home from a pick game and watch a, a later game, Washington game, this guy's always putting up um, great catches over the middle. I mean, Michael Penix has got – he's got the best receiving core in the country right now. Um, and that's saying a lot because uh, Harrison and Agbuke are just amazing as well in a high state. But I think Washington is – 
the most loaded receiving uh, crew in a touch uh, in in the country. The only thing about Adunze is he's he's six three, but he's not real physical. Not a physical guy. The guy that um, doesn't really go the 50-50 balls kind of thing. But he he'll battle over the middle. He he's a, he's a like I said before. He'll be he'd be a number one pick as a receiver, number one receiver in nine out of the last ten drafts. There's no doubt about it in my mind. So. Uh, the wide receiver class this year just keeps getting better and better each year as the NFL, as college players know now that the NFL is, it's a wide receiver quarterback heavy league. So you're seeing it in the college league in the college football now as well. Yeah. And I think I didn't say that the, what's exciting about him is his hands. I mean, the guy is dependable uh, when it comes to catching. You're right. He, he's a little slight of build reminds you of skinny batman a little bit of Devonte smith a little um, bit you know not with the speed no. uh, but with the skill set you know and i think he's somebody that uh a team in the first round will be very happy to add to their roster and same with our number three guy here in malik neighbors i mean lsu has become wide receiver you uh mm-hmm. in the last 10 years you mentioned jefferson you mentioned Chase. We can continue to go down that list if we needed to with OBJ. Oh, um, but tell man. us a little bit about what you've seen on film from Malik Neighbors. Neighbors is only six feet, two hundred pounds. Um, he's already got eighty catches for 1,400 yards this year, seventeen touchdowns. Um, he's real creative coming off the line. He he's one of them twitchy guys that'll just um. He almost reminds you of AB coming off the line where he just you can't you can't mirror the guy. The guy's gonna. The guy's going to beat you off the line, and then you got to try to make up for it. Uh, he's high effort, um, not real physical. Again, the guy that you can press, and, and maybe in the NFL, like a guy like maybe even here in Pittsburgh, Joey Porter might have success against him, getting up in his face and maybe hitting him off the line a little bit. But Malik Neighbors is – I'm telling you, man, these these two, three – two and three could go in the top 15. So you could have three receivers easily in the top 15. I wouldn't be shocked if two go in the top 10. Um, with the NFL, and it all depends on how they, how how teams look at the tackles and and the uh, the other quarterbacks, of course. But we we all know now in the NFL, um, a guy like Malik Neighbors and a guy like uh, Adunze, they're 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 huge in this kind of league. And, and Neighbors has been he's been solid since week one, and he has Brian Thomas backing him up. So he has a couple. They have a couple good receivers there in LSU, and um. J- Daniels's stock is rising this year, and a lot of it has to do with Malik Neighbors. I mean, six foot two hundred. He's not the tallest guy. He's gonna beat you. He's gonna beat you physically, but he's high effort and he's creative. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to have to um, match him up one on one. Yeah, I think that what's exciting about him. You mentioned AB a little bit earlier. I mean, he's a bigger size body than AB is, but he has similar levels of twitchiness he's not going to have the long speed to beat you but this guy will make a move and make you look just he'll fake you out of your shoes right he'll break your ankles and run right by you Uh, and I think that is a testament to what we've seen if you take a look at what his record is already this season before we even get to the postseason you know here's a guy that has 17 touchdowns and he's Mm -hmm. playing in the in in the SEC which might have some of the best defensive backs in the country um, that he's going against up week after week uh, and this guy continues to put up numbers. You mentioned Keelan Coleman uh, at the top, too. I know he's number four on our list from Florida State. Uh, and with the unfortunate incident uh, this past weekend and, and the loss of their starting quarterback, it may hurt Keon Coleman's numbers. But he was a recent transfer in, um, and I think people didn't expect 
him to have the year he's having, but this is a guy that's a bigger bodied receiver that clearly has the hands and the talent and sufficient speed enough uh, to make it in the NFL. He might come at the end of that first round. He'll definitely be, well, I don't want to say definitely, but he'll likely be number four on that four man list uh, that we've been talking about. But what are your thoughts of Keon? I know we didn't have a chance to see him in Pittsburgh uh, when he was playing the Panthers. Uh, he and a few other key starters were, were missing uh, that game due to injury. But what are your thoughts on Coleman? Yeah, that's one of the one of the things about Coleman is that um he has had some injury problems. Out of all the numbers, and I know you can't just go by numbers, um, but Coleman's numbers are way behind any of the other um big receivers in this draft. He has forty five catches, six hundred and fifteen yards, but he has put up eleven touchdowns. And let's not forget LSU. I mean, um, Florida State has talent at every um at every offensive position. They have a, they have a, an NFL tight end in Bell. They have another receiver in uh, Johnny Wilson. They got Trey Benson um, at the other at, at running back. So he's 6'4", 215. Um, he's a competitor, man. He's athletic. Um, I know, I think you actually made the comment to me early in the year that you watched him play, and and uh, you were like, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, a team could take him second. It wouldn't be a total reach because he's got that kind of, you're 6'4 with that kind of competitiveness. Um, he's high effort. Um, he's, he's real athletic. He does have a, occasional drop issues, but um, th this, guy's, this guy's legit. I mean, he's, he's more on the um, – he's more on like the Justin Jefferson kind of thing where he's a big guy that can just throw the ball up and let me get it and I'll go get it kind of thing and – I'd have I'd have no problem, honestly. These two, three, fours are in the interchangeable. I mean, a team might look at um, Keon Coleman and say, "This guy, this guy's legit. Like this guy is the this is the guy we want." So I'd have no no issue if if Coleman moved up in the thing in the draft. But he has, like I said, he's gotten he's gotten hurt a little bit this year. He hasn't put up quite the numbers. Um, he's in a very good offense now that Jordan Travis is gone. It'll be interesting. What happens to Coleman these last couple of weeks? It'll be interesting what happens to Florida State these last couple of weeks, and if the uh, NCAA will give them the buy that they gave. Um, I remember Ohio State a couple of years ago when Cardell Jones took over, and they let them they let them basically slide into the playoff. We'll see if uh, Florida State gets sort of the same the same gig because they got to play LSU. They got to play Louisville in the um, ACC championship. I think they'll beat Louisville, but we'll see what the um, how the NCAA um, regards them without their – I mean, Jordan Travis was rising up boards when he got hurt. So it'll be interesting. So after the top four, we've got a little bit of a break and not much of one before we get to another Ohio State wide receiver in Emeka Ibuka. Uh, and uh, this is a guy that if it were not for Marvin Harrison Jr., um, you know, might be in that top four. I mean, here's a guy that has a lot of speed – good hands has proven you know over the last couple of years that uh he's a difference maker this was the year uh that i think everyone expected him to you know really sort of shine but it's hard to shine with a star like harrison across from you what are your thoughts on Egbuke and and um where do you think he goes does he make the first round here or is this a uh high-end second round guy i think Egbuke could be that that luxury pick at the end of the first round by like a um like a Kansas City, how Kansas City always does a good job of picking up like a luxury, like a Edwards Hilaire or something at the end of the first round. He could be that kind of pick, 
but I think he definitely goes like in the top five or ten in the second round. This guy ran a four four two in twenty nineteen, and I know it's it's years ago, but but experts say that he's improved on that speed mightily. So he's probably in a four three in a four threes now. Yeah, he um, might be the fastest receiver in this draft. And his route running is precise. He has low numbers, but he has Kyle McCord is just learning the offense, and of course. You have Marvin Harrison are getting most of the, uh, you know, he's getting most of the throws, which he should. But he has 32 catches, 427 yards, three touches. He's not lighting it up by no means. But um, us guys in the uh, the scouting or watching him, we know this guy. This guy's got game-changing speed. 6'1", 205. He's got good good size. Uh, 205 for a 6'1 guy. He's built nice. Um the only, the only, the only negative I really had about him in a profile was he, he, he basically is going to be a sloth guy in the NFL, which ain't a bad thing. I mean, we, we've, we've been through this a lot of times now with the NFL. How you talked about before with um, um, the creativity of middle league neighbors. This is the way the NFL is now. You get a guy in a sloth that can get open all the time. That's, that's almost as valuable, if not more valuable, than a guy that can get, that can beat you deep every once in a while. So I, I think Egbuke gets. He's a guy that if if Chicago takes their their quarterback or whatever they do in the first round, they, they don't take a receiver in the first, and they get a bouquet in the second. That's a great it's a great find for anybody early in the second round. And I'd say that you're right about that slot receiver. I mean, you see a lot of those guys, and they often are lining up against a team's nickelback or mm-hmm. someone that's a specialized slot corner. Uh, and the slot corners may not have the talent uh as some of those that are covering the outside x receivers and so you 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 get those matchups um that we talk about in college football a lot now translating to the nfl and i mean look at, I think look that's at puka, puka nakua i mean honestly that guy is making a living i mean him and him and cup like, like the slot receiver now in the nfl and that's that's where i was hoping deontay johnson would would excel with pickens on the outside this is not happening here in Pittsburgh, but the, the, the slot receiver is so important now. And, and you have a great point because a lot of times when you have a slot receiver, you have three receivers. So you got the, you have their corners on the two outside guys and you got, you got your, um, you know, your Mike Hilton co- trying to cover a, a fast, a fast slot guy. And it's, it's, I'll take or even take the now. Alabama's Brian branch, right? There's a guy that was yep. drafted in the second round of the Detroit lions who was, considered perhaps the one of the best rookie corners in the draft who's going to be playing a slot who ran a you know a four five at the combine and a guy like a bouquet can take advantage of that right so and i think um, you're starting you make a good point with brian branch i think the nfl i think they're starting to look for nickel backs now that can like they're not looking for just two corners now they're looking for these nickel yeah, backs two corners have, are not enough no yeah, you, they're need, just not you enough. need nickel you need nickel backs that can um that can run and that's why like you know, you got a team like out. We talk about Pittsburgh all the time. I mean, Darius Rush. You, you need to get these talented guys in here. You, you can't just have two cornerbacks anymore. You need three, four, four, five strong, and and have guys that can cover these um these slot guys because the NFL is just each year just it's imploding towards passing. I mean, I feel bad for the running backs, but I don't. I mean, the run the the, the game is taking off passing wise. So we get to the bottom half of our list, and these guys, to some degree, are, are somewhat interchangeable. But I'll start with my, one of my favorites, uh, and Xavier Worthy from Texas. Uh, this is a guy you mentioned, AB before. This is a guy that has his size and his speed, and the guy's a blazer. 
I'm a little afraid of the frame. I think he's, he weighed in at 166. That's a light weight for <laughs> the NFL. He's going to have to get up to 180 and not lose any of that speed. Uh, but we saw Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from uh, the Washington Commanders uh, and Mississippi State last year go in mid-first round ahead of Christian Gonzalez as a corner, and he weighed in at 165 too. So, you know, you know I'm sure that there's some nutrition folks in the NFL and some – you know, weight room folks that'll get him up to up, up to par. And I think that's the only thing that's holding him from being in the top five here. He's got all the other intangibles, good hands, elite speed, uh, and the kind of quicks you need in the NFL to, to make a difference. But what are your thoughts on Xavier Worthy from Texas? I mean, Worthy coming into the season was was um definitely a top three receiver. He definitely was. I mean, he was uh, one of the guys that we – one of the first profiles we did, he was – an excellent receiver. He hasn't done anything wrong this year. He has 63 catches, 800 some yards, four touchdowns. He's, I have him in that second to third round range. And this is where we get weird with the receivers because there could be six receivers taken in the second round, but yet there could be, it could be spread out. It's all about what the NFL likes to do. And we've, we've seen that like, even with like, like George Pickens, he was a third round, fourth round uh, grade. And then he went to second round. That's we're at that point. Now we're, these guys could, and you made a good point. They're all interchangeable. Um, 6'1", 166. Um, he struggles over the middle every once in a while. Um, outside the numbers, he has great. He's great. He, this kid, this kid has hands, and and uh, he's one of he's one of um Quinn Ewers' big targets this year. He's he's putting up good numbers. Um, like I said, the slight frame, like you said, could get built, could get built up. And let's face it, now the NFL doesn't really look at the frame as much now especially with receivers and defensive backs if you can catch a ball and beat somebody one-on-one they don't care if you're 120 pounds just beat the guy and i think that's how how Emmanuel forbes you know he's fast he was a good hitter they, they don't really I, I hate to say it but like i think the frame in a receiver and a defensive back isn't really frowned upon as much as as it used to be you know back in the day whenever people were like oh he's too small he's not gonna but I mean, he has a speed to beat you. Another slot guy, man. This 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 class has a ton of slot guys at the beginning, and um, it's good. It's going to make the NFL uh, a crazy place next year because there's so many good receivers coming out this year. Speaking of good receivers, we're at number seven, and this is a guy that I think is – I hate to use the term sleeper because he's not. He's a guy that I think goes in the a, second round. Is a Oregon Duck, Troy, uh, uh, Troy Franklin. Uh, he has been – every week impressive uh, playing in that, that quirky little offense that they've got going up there. And Bo Nix finds him a lot. Tell everybody about Troy Franklin and what your, what are your thoughts on his draft possibilities? I agree with you. I have him as a third to fourth round uh, pick, but I'll tell you what, he is flying up the boards right now. Um, out of all these middle guys that we're, we're naming, he's the guy that's putting up, putting up numbers week in a week out 68 catches, hundred, 1,221 yards, thir 13 touchdowns on a team that, scores a ton of touchdowns and has a ton of people that can score touchdowns. He has very good body control. And he's one of them guys that um you don't want to cover him because he's he's a really he, he changes his tempo. He can stop and go. He can he can think you know he can he can just lull you to sleep and just burn by you. He's he's one of them guys that you don't want to you don't want to have to face him one on one. Um 180 if he adds a little bit of weight to that six three frame he could be that guy that you know, that guy that you you see on highlight films every week, just beating guys down the sideline. He's got good speed. 
um, his cutting ability too. And he, when he runs routes for Oregon, he just comes out of his breaks and you just can't mirror this guy. And a lot of these guys uh, in this class are very hard to cover one-on-one. And, and, and like you talked about before, and I think it's a good foreshadow is we're going to see a lot more nickelback type cornerbacks and defensive backs start to get drafted in this draft because uh, teams cannot, if Troy Franklin becomes a, a number three receiver for somebody next year, good luck. Good luck covering that guy. Yeah, you know, if I didn't know any better, I would suggest that perhaps uh, a certain former duck in Justin Herbert might be calling to oh, to, nice uh, to try to get him. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, whoever the coach is, if they have a new coach, which is very likely that they may by the end of the season, that uh, the L.A. Chargers might look elsewhere. They just got Quentin Johnson in this past draft, and they still have – even though he's logging the tooth, Keenan Allen, and yeah, but you know, here's a guy that um, you know I think would you would you know getting two ducks on the team right there I think would be just kind of fun you know as uh, if you're an Oregon Ducks fan, but you know more more than likely this is a guy that go I I see him going late round two mm-hmm. uh, to a very lucky team that doesn't regret bring, bringing him on. I think he's someone that uh, will be a longtime starter in the NFL. You say late uh, round. I'd have no problem right. with Pittsburgh. At, at that point, I'd have no problem with um <laughs> honestly the Pittsburgh. If they're they're trying to rebuild this team with the Canada firing today and trying to get this offense going, I mean Well, you I, may also have a situation where Deontay Johnson isn't here next year as contract that's what runs I'm thinking. out. So we're gonna, we're gonna have Alan Robinson. Austin has Calvin Austin has not panned out. This is year two for him. And I know year one was was done, but he's proven to be just sort of gadgety gimmicky and, and not much beyond that. And so the Steelers will need to dip into this receiver class and this is a good one to dip into i agree with that so, i agree with that number eight on our list we we're going to revisit the washington huskies you mentioned jalen Polk, two of the one of the two jalens uh that is coming out uh this year uh again uh here's a guy that last week we, we did an article on him uh in within uh by noon the same day it had over 200 views uh which i know isn't a monster amount for but for our little magazine it is um, tell us a little about Polk and, and what you think his draft prospects are. I'll tell you what, Jalen Polk is a guy that you don't want to sleep on. And I know it's easy to sleep on him because they got a Dunze. So you, and, and it's funny how these teams that have two big receivers, we already named Ohio state with two. We have Washington with two. They actually have three. And then we have LSU coming up with two as well. You don't want to sleep on this guy. He, um, his, uh, precision routes. He's another guy to change his speeds. Um, his one little thing is he's better man to man. Like he, he's a better receiver at, at, at wide. He, he, he has trouble sitting down in zones and some receivers do that. Some receivers just have too much. Um, they have too much cutting ability and too much route running that they don't, they don't know how to s- settle down in a zone, which is a big, it's a big deal in the NFL, especially nowadays. That's a, that's a negative thing, but um, as a secondary receiver, he has 55 catches for 943 yards, eight touchdowns. He's a running touchdown. They use him, they use him as um, as a jet sweep kind of guy as well. He's a third to fourth run pick too, and honestly, he reminds me of a guy that's a perfect late third round, early fourth round pick. That after he gets drafted, you're like, wow, that was a good pick. And he's gonna be that guy that fits fits in that mold. Um, Blocking ain't the greatest, but you know what? I've always feel bad when I do these profiles on guys that don't block. There's certain schools that don't care if the receivers block, and there's certain NFL teams that don't care if their receivers don't block. So I think that's becoming a 
more of a dinosaur kind of thing if a guy's a negative blocker. But um, 6'2", 204, fast guy. I He's a perfect, perfect. If your team takes him in the third or fourth round, consider yourself a lucky, a lucky team. Yeah, so you mentioned LSU, and we got our second LSU wide receiver creeping up here at number nine. That's Brian Thomas uh, from the Tigers. Uh, you know, again, I know LSU has a, a recent history of putting out fantastic receivers into the league. He does get overshadowed because of the talent of Malik Neighbors, and it, that just jumps off the screen at you every single week. Uh, but Brian Thomas is somebody that has, you know, NFL talent and will be on a team. Talk to us a little bit about your analysis behind uh, Brian Thomas. He's actually more explosive than Malik Neighbors. Um, he's he's fast. He's fluid. Um, his problem is he has a lot of concentration problems. He drops passes, runs wrong routes at times. Um, press gives him a little bit of issues. But I'll tell you what, this guy, honestly, um, and you mentioned it, but the LSU, it, and let's face it, the NFL, we, we fall in, in that trap. They're not going to let him fall out of the fourth round in this draft because he's an LSU receiver. So uh, some team's going to take him in the third or fourth round. Um, he's more, I'm not going to say he's the first guy that we've mentioned. That's more of a, a risk, but he's, he's a little bit more of a risk kind of guy than the guys we've named so far, but he's a guy, he's, he's got high ceiling. He's a guy that um, if he's in a right offense and they use his speed, he, he could be a, a valuable, um, valuable onset to some team. Yep. Yep. And I, and I think that you're right about that LSU moniker. When you wear that kind of pedigree, the league takes, takes notice. And and I think you're going to see uh, this guy go, I would not be surprised to see him go late day two. Uh, I think he is a day three guy, early day three guy, but you know, ultimately the way that league is valuing receivers, I wouldn't be surprised if someone takes a bit of a stretch and grabs him. And this is a guy that a combine individual events away from neighbors uh, may actually help him. Uh, and we'll see what his pro day looks like, too. And maybe one of these uh, uh, teams takes a flyer on him. And the last one to round out our top 10 uh, is a team we haven't talked about much uh, in this draft, and that's South Carolina. And in this case, we're talking about uh, Xavier Leggett. Uh, here's a guy who uh, has really proven some value. Now, we do have a NFL prospect in Spencer Rattler throwing to him. He is an SEC receiver. Uh, the Gamecocks haven't made much noise. Uh, this year, so he kind of gets pushed aside. But at the end of the day, this guy is NFL ready. What are your thoughts on Xavier Leggett? I, I say out of the top ten that we've named so far, he's the uh, the sleeper of the group. He's a guy that you already mentioned. It. He's an SEC receiver, putting up numbers. He's six three, two twenty seven. Got the size, a lot of strength. He's a guy that goes up and gets the ball when he has to. Um, average speed though, average speed. Um, if I had to compare him to someone. In our lifetime that we've seen come out, more of an Anquan Bolden type than a than a, a speedster kind of guy. But he's a guy that will make the plays for you. He'll catch the ball over the middle. He'll do what he's got to do. He's a perfect pick in the fourth or fifth round for a team that's got an established offense that needs a guy that steps in as a three or four receiver and just makes catches, um, which is a very valuable thing in the NFL nowadays. And we're seeing that. In our hometown and other teams too, you got you, you have two, you can have two good receivers all day. If you don't have a third or fourth guy that steps in, whenever the other two are covered, it's you know it's, what what good does it do? So I think I think Leggett is that guy that um he, he's very undervalued, but I think he'll be a great pick in the middle of the draft. Yep, and 
look, we've come to the end of our list, but with wide receivers, there's so many of them coming out this year. There may be an honorable mention or two in there. I'll go first, and I'll tell you who I think a guy that didn't make our top 10 uh, is Jamari Thrash from Louisville. Uh, This is a guy that um, we had a chance to see close up and personal when he played Pitt. He was playing against both MJ Devonshire and Marquez Williams, two defensive backs that are going to be in the league next year. Uh, And he did very well. That game went against the Cardinals. Uh, But this is a guy who he, he, like you said, he's not blazing speed. He's average NFL speed at four five, but this is a guy that also is an outside X receiver. He's got size. He's got talent. He's got great hands. I think he's undervalued because he is playing at Louisville, but I think this is a guy that can make an impact for a team on a, as a day three pick that'll come in and wow you. It'll end up on some fantasy teams next year. Do you have someone like, you know, uh, like Thrash that, you, that you'd like to mention as your honorable mention? Actually, you have a good point because, I mean, we, we named 10 receivers. There's a good chance we're going to see, what, between 20, 20 to 25 receivers either drafted or or signed as a, as a free agent at the end. I, I like Thrash, 6'1", 185, lots of, lots of speed. He didn't, he didn't go nuts on Pitt, but I'll tell you what, he made a lot of um, aggressive like catches, like you said, against two Critical guys. Critical plays, yeah. Yeah, and, and two, two guys that are very um, – we have two physical uh, cornerbacks at Pitt, two guys that go get in your face, and he did well. The guys that I have, and I'm going to name four of them, that they have different skill sets, but they're all – Guys that are going to get drafted in this uh, mid mid rounds is Lad McConkey from Georgia, uh, Roman Wilson, Michigan. If you, if you want the speed, you got R- Roman Wilson from Michigan. Another receiver from Texas is Adonai Mitchell, a guy that can do everything. And we we mentioned before Johnny Wilson, uh, another Florida State guy, who might hurt a little bit now that um, they're going to be going with their backup quarterback here down the stretch. So they don't got um, you know. We're going to see now. I mean, the backup quarterback. We're going to see what Florida State brings to the table now, because there's going to be a lot of guys that get to show what they, what they have now. At Florida State, but that's just we named them four in the one you name. That's 15 receivers we named, and I'll tell you what, there's still seven or eight receivers out there, Joe. And we're, it's there's so many receivers. I mean, I just did a profile. It hasn't even hit their website yet of, of Cornelius Johnson, another Michigan receiver, a little bit bigger than Roman Wilson, another guy that. Is good. I mean, I mean, he's a, he's in Michigan's offense. He don't they don't throw the ball a ton, so you don't get to see him put up the kind of numbers. But there's a lot of receivers in this draft, and I I believe that I believe that if any any position in this draft has an A or A plus, it's it's this receivers class this year, and you're gonna see it as you as you go in this draft. So I mean, a team like if your team needs a receiver and it's a third or fourth round, don't don't fret because there's there's enough talent out there. You can grab a um you can grab a stud. No doubt. Well, JT, thank you again for your your excellent uh, insights uh, this evening. I know you've been studying these guys religiously over the last uh, well, you know year <laughs> or so, and and it's going to be exciting to see what happens here at twenty twenty four. Big thanks to you, and and again for all of our listeners tonight. Remember, while Draft Four One Two's podcast may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Thanks again, JT. Thank you, Joe.